0: Well, this morning is our second uh, talk in a series of three on uh, spiritual gifts based in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. If you've got a Bible, uh, it'd be great to turn to 1 Corinthians 14 that Val just read for us. Um, What I'd like to do this morning is firstly give just a brief kind of summary of some of the things that Gordon said last week and uh, just a bit of an overview of of Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts and particularly how they're to be used. Um, And then I want to kind of focus right in on the gift of prophecy, which Paul says is the greatest gift and the one we're to eagerly desire. The church where the spiritual gifts, these grace gifts or birthday presents, um, as the kind of modern day Greek would translate it, uh, are used and uh, responsibly and openly welcomed is a healthy, dynamic and living church. Paul's ideal for the local church was that spiritual gifts would be used when they gathered together. Peter speaks about spiritual gifts in his letter, first letter. Paul talks about it in Romans 12, in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. Um, It's mentioned, you know, you see the gifts at work in the life of Jesus. This isn't just something for a slightly strange church that's based in Turkey, or I think it's Greece actually, in the Corinthian church. This is a universal thing for the church, for today. Spiritual gifts are relevant to us. And I think we want to be that kind of church that openly welcomes Uh, The gifts of the spirit but responsibly handles them so we can be healthy dynamic and living so before we head into looking at the gift of prophecy in detail here are just uh, some uh, easy to remember principles that we we need when we talk about uh, how to use any spiritual gift and the first is this paul says let love be your highest goal the greatest thing paul says is love in the context of everything, the, the reading uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter before our reading this morning, is, is used at weddings as a it's kind of a sign of this is what love looks like. And this is what love looks, should look like in our worship together. Uh, we're to follow the way of love, Paul says. Um, and the characteristics of love are this, love is patient kind. Uh, it's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable or, or, and doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It's never glad about injustice but rejoices in the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verses 4 onwards. The principle of love is central to our life but it's central even more so to our worship. And in that, our example is the crucified and risen Christ. Jesus is the centre of our worship. He is the revealed one. He's the one who reveals God to us. In him, scriptures say, uh, the fullness of God dwells. He is the example of love, of self-sacrifice, self-giving love. Paul is saying, if you want to know how to use spiritual gifts, first of all, put on that same love that Christ showed for his church. That's the central thing, the most important thing, the greatest thing. We're to follow the way of love. The second is this, is that we're to eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. We'll look in detail at that, but let's look at this eagerness. This, it's not about being passive, it's a sense of we go after, we pursue, we ask for spiritual gifts. Because God loves to give these grace gifts which is what the, the, kind of the, the word for spiritual gift is, these grace gifts to us. He loves to give them freely, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And when we receive those gifts, the way that we use them is we use them in service of Jesus and his church. We're generous with his gifts. Um, Peter, when he's talking about spiritual gifts in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, says this, Manage them, these grace gifts, well, so that God's generosity can flow through you to others we're to have a generous outlook in how we use these gifts. Paul, when writing to Timothy, also reminds us that if we've been given gifts, and if we are a follower of Christ, we have been, don't neglect them. Use them. Fan them into flame. And the way to do that is to put them into practice. And maybe if we've received gifts in the past, or uh, God has used us in some way, but we've let those gifts kind of gather dust on a shelf, if you like, Paul encourages Timothy again to, to take them off. We've not been given a spirit of timidity and fear, but of love, of power, and of self-discipline. Let's take what God has given us and put it into practice. And well, Why would we do that? What is, why is prophecy such an important gift? Why does Paul put that at the kind of top of the list, if you like? Well, I think it's this, because one of the most important themes through the whole of Scripture is that God speaks to his people. We see it all the way through the Old Testament. We go right back to the start in the book of Genesis. God constantly communicating with those he's created. Um, He walks and talks with Adam in the Garden of Eden. He speaks to Abraham and leads him uh, to become the patriarch of the Jewish faith. He speaks to Moses, telling him to lead his people out of captivity in Egypt into the promised land. He speaks to the people of Israel at Mount Sinai and gives them the law. He speaks to his people through prophets, constantly calling them back from their sin and their rebellion back to himself. God is constantly speaking to his people. He's so keen to speak to his people that he speaks in quite strange ways. He speaks through a donkey to get their attention. God is desperate to speak to us this morning. But one of the interesting questions to ask about that is, why on earth would God want to speak to us? We might be asking that question to ourselves this morning. Why on earth would God want to speak to us? And I think to answer that question, we look at um, Jesus, what he says about God speaking. And we might know the story of Jesus going into the desert to be tempted. He's been baptised and he's heard his father speak to him, saying, This is my son, whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. And after that incredible encounter, Jesus heads out into the desert, into the wilderness, uh, to be tempted. And he encounters the enemy, and he's for 40 days and 40 nights, he's not eaten or drunk, and he's hungry, the Bible says, just to give us that useful piece of information that we hadn't already worked out. And Jesus is hungry, and the enemy says to him, here before you are stones. You know, If you're the son of God, if you've got all power and authority, just turn those stones into bread. Satisfy your physical hunger. And Jesus replies by saying this. You know, people don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We don't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We are made to be in communication with God. Two-way communication with him. We're not just physical beings that have physical needs, that have an appetite. We are more than that. We're spiritual. We respond to the voice of God. When Jesus here is talking about the word that comes from the mouth of God, he's not talking about the whole of the Bible, the whole of re- the revealed world of, word of God. He's talking about a specific word for a specific situation. Usually scripture that God will give to help us in a time of need. We need to live day by day On the words that God gives us. Just as our physical kind of appetite is important, it's important to eat and drink if we're to stay healthy. Even more so, Jesus says, is a day by day living and eating and nourishing ourselves on the word of God. So we're made to hear God's voice. We're made to live out of what God says. About two years ago, Nell and I had the the privilege of spending six weeks um, at a church uh, just north of Chicago um, on a church placement that i managed to work out from college it was great fun um i didn't work very hard i have to say but we had a great kind of time living with a family um and one of the things that we did was we met with different staff members in the church and uh one of the highlights for me was meeting with the children's pastor and she was um a lady of about 60 years old she'd been doing children's work all her life but one of the things that she was well known for was being someone who heard god's voice and spoke it to others Um, she had quite a prophetic gift So we talked about all the important things to do with child uh, child protection and managing teams in a large church and recruiting volunteers and all the sort of nitty-gritty sort of stuff. But really what I was hoping for was to get to the end of this conversation quickly so I could say to her, would you pray for an L&I that we might hear what God's saying to us? And and at the end of the time uh, with her, we asked her to pray for us and and she sort of just, she prayed a gentle, really simple prayer. She just kind of turned her head to one side. I'll never forget it. She kind of looked at us in quite a funny way, and then just started sharing what she felt God was saying. And it blew me away. She was spot on. She was accurate. I came away so encouraged, so excited about what God was wanting to do in us and through us. And I have to say, I think for both of us, it was a real highlight of our trip. And I wonder if for any of us this morning, we're in the place of saying, God, I would love you to speak to me. If I were to ask for a show of hands, and I'm not going to, but for, for those here who are, would love a word of encouragement at this particular time in life, be it as a parent, or as a husband or a wife, or as a, a friend, or as a worker, or whatever it might be, how many of us need that word of encouragement? How many of us would put our hand up? I'd imagine a lot of us. Maybe we've got a decision to make, and we're going through a difficult season in life. Maybe we, our relationship is, is a struggle, and we're wanting to know the way forward. Maybe we've got a dream to start a ministry and we're just wondering whether it's God calling us or if it's our own imagination. I'm sure that for all of us, we would love to say, God, please speak to me this morning. Maybe you've come this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian necessarily. Or you're kind of someone who would say, I'm looking for answers to questions that I've got, but I haven't really quite found them yet. God delights in speaking to all people. It's not an in-house thing. God speaks to people to draw them to himself. I think he delights in doing that. And that's why the gift of prophecy, Paul says, is the most important gift. Eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is when we get a message from God and we give it to someone else. It's a really simple definition. A message from God that we give to someone else. That's what it is. Um, The message might be for an individual, it might be for a community. Um, It's a revelation. It's something that we haven't been able to dream up ourselves about, uh, something that God wants to share with someone else. And it's a gift that God wants to give every Christian uh, at different times, in different ways, and in different places. At the day of Pentecost, Peter quotes a passage about God pouring out his spirit upon his people. And he says this, quotes from Joel in chapter 2. And this is what it says. Afterwards, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. What Joel was saying in a radical way is when the spirit comes, everyone gets to be involved. Everyone gets to play, if you like. The gift of prophecy is for everyone. Your age does not matter. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Your gender doesn't matter. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit. Your experience doesn't matter. How long you've been a Christian doesn't matter. God wants to pour out his spirit and his gifts on all people. We are all invited to play, to be involved. No one is left out. So what is prophecy? It's that message from God that we give to someone else. But where would we prophesy? Where do we do it? Paul's talking to the gathered church. He's talking to the Corinthian people. To come together for worship, and the letter he writes is addressing various issues of both theology and practice. And in fact, for Paul, every issue of bad practice is linked to bad theology. So Paul is addressing a kind of issues with how they think about God and how they think about each other. But it can, for us, it can apply whenever we meet, whenever we gather together to pray with one another in a triplet or in a life group setting, or when we gather for a service. But it isn't just for inside of the church, and we know that from the life of Jesus. Jesus met a Samaritan woman. Um, How many folk here are doing the Bible in a year or are still going with the Bible in a year? If you're not, I think we can announce another Amnesty Sunday. Let's start again. If you want to join in, pick one up. I don't know what date is today. Too soft. Okay, no, you can't join us. You have to just wait till next year now. I think we'll go my way. We can have an amnesty. Anyway, this week we've read this story about the Samaritan woman. Um, And Jesus uh, meets her in midday, the middle of the sun, middle of the heat, and she comes out to draw water. The reason she's come out to draw water, Jesus reveals to her, or she already knew it, he kind of reminded her, was that she's a woman that no other women want to be with. You know, because all the other women would have come out at the start of the day to draw water when it's not so hot. But she couldn't because she'd been married to five guys in that village and was living with a guy who wasn't her husband. And I don't think the women liked her very much. She wasn't considered trustworthy enough or liked enough. She was one of the outcasts. And Jesus sits with her and talks with her, and that was radical enough in itself, but he says to her, you know, go and get your husband. And she says, well, I haven't got a husband. And Jesus says, well, that's right, you've had five, and this guy isn't your husband either. And what he's saying to her is, I know who you are, I know what you've done, and I accept you just the way you are. And the, the response of that woman is quite incredible. She runs back into the village shouting, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. You know, sometimes when we're sat with someone, God wants to drop a little word of encouragement for that person. Sometimes God wants us just to say that he loves them to someone else. It might even be a prompting to do an act of kindness, some simple kind of thing. when I was in Bristol, I loved going to Starbucks, and there was a great little coffee shop where, uh, outside of, by a concourse area, if you like, on the main road. And it was a, a place that was congregated a lot by those kind of char- people who were collecting for charity. I think they're called chuggers. Is that right? I, I was worried this morning when I said that, that I'd said something really rude, and that someone was going to correct me. But I'm told that is the official term, you know, someone who's collecting for charity. And there was a, a, I was sat in Starbucks having a coffee, and I just looked out the window, and I saw a guy there collecting for, I think it was the NSPCC. And suddenly a little thought dropped in my mind, and it just was this, why don't you go and buy him a coffee? I thought, okay. So I went outside, I I kind of went up to him, and he'd like me to give him some money, and I didn't give him any money, which probably is a bit mean in hindsight, but anyway. So I said to him, would you like me to buy you a coffee? And he looked quite strange at me. Um, And I persuaded him that it was a good idea for me to buy him a coffee. Um, And in the end, he kind of relented. And and I bought him a coffee, went back out, gave him this coffee. And he looked at me and said, are you a Christian? And I said, well, I am, actually. I'm training to be a vicar. And he went, it's really, really weird. He said, all these Christians keep coming up and buying me coffee. But not just in Bristol, in Cardiff. All these places I work, they keep coming up and offering me a drink. He said, why do you do that? And I said, I did wonder. I said, um, I said, well, I was stood in the coffee shop and I looked down and I thought God might have just told me to come and buy you a coffee. And that was it. It was just a kind of way of showing you that God loves you and he thinks about you and he knows who you are just by giving you the thing." He thought, wow, that's amazing. He said, what church do you go to? And I said, a Woodlands Church. He said, oh, you never guess what. I said, you met someone from Woodlands? He went, yes. Only that day someone else had bought him a coffee. Poor guy must be high on caffeine at this point. I don't think we're doing anything for his health. But anyway, so we we chatted for quite a while. I took his number and we kind of exchanged a few text messages. And um, I don't know where he is now. But um, probably drinking lots of coffee given to him by Christians, I'd imagine. But it was really simple, wasn't it? That thought, it wasn't anything super spiritual. I didn't enter some kind of trance and have this vision. It was just a thought in my mind. Why don't you go and buy him a coffee? I could have dismissed that as my own thought and decided I'm too busy. Wouldn't have been difficult. But, you know, just sometimes God drops those little thoughts in our minds. Why don't you do this? Why don't you say this? Why don't you ask that person if they're okay, if they're sat on the tube? Sometimes it's obvious if someone's not doing very well. Why don't we just ask them, are you okay? Is there anything I can do for you? God wants to speak to people. God wants to use us to speak to them. So that's the what is prophecy, it's a message from God that we give to someone else. Where can we do it? Well, anywhere really. Paul's speaking to the gathered church, we can do it when we gather together, we should do it when we gather together, pray for one another. But also it's for outside, it's to take out to everyday life, in the workplace, in the family, in our streets. But how do we prophesy? What is that about? When Paul says eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, how do we do that? Well, the first thing is this, is we should eagerly desire it. Ask for it. I don't know if you're like me, but I can be so passive about this kind of thing sometimes. Unless the kind of scenarios line themselves up so perfectly, I don't really want to do something. So I want the kind of the clearest, most perfect prophetic word revealed to me six times with the person in front of me that so obviously fits the bill. Then it's clearly from God, then I'll say something or do something. But, you know, I don't think there's any such thing as a perfect prophecy, and I'll come on to that in a moment. But God wants us to eagerly desire it, to seek after it, to pursue those gifts for the benefit of others. And will we ask for them? Will we put ourselves in that place of being proactive? Not just hoping, if it happens, I might do it, but really going after it. Really wanting to encourage others, both those we know here and those we meet in our workplace for example. We're not talking about collecting, when it comes to spiritual gifts, we're not talking about gathering in a bunch of ornaments that we can kind of show off on our mantelpiece. This is the gifts that I've got. They're tools from a toolbox that God gives to us to use. When we ask for a prophetic word uh, for someone, we, God gives it us so that we might actually share it. Not just that we can tell others that we've had one. You know, whatever the gifts are, if we want the gift of tongues, which Paul talks about here, that prayer language that enables us to communicate with God, sometimes in times of crisis when words just, we haven't got the words to say, or in worship where we've, where kind of, you're amazing, awesome, and wonderful just seems really tiresome after the 14th time you've repeated it. Um, God wants us to, if we want that gift, God wants us to speak in it. Um, If we want the gift of healing, will we pray for those who are sick? Um, And if we want the gift of prophecy, will we pray for prophetic words for people? God gives us gifts that we're willing to use. So the first thing is, eagerly desire that gift. The second thing is this, is that our attitude matters. As with all the gifts, firstly, love must be our motive. I think that it's easier to hear God speaking for other people if we love them. It's easier if we're praying for them. It's easier if we're engaged in their lives. So when Jesus said the greatest commandment is this, love, your, love God, your Lord your God, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, and your neighbour as yourself, we can't separate the two because that's the greatest commandment. They are one, they're together. And if we love our neighbour, those we sat next to, those we live next to, those we work next to, it's easier for us to hear God. And if we struggle with that, why don't we ask God to change our hearts? That's quite a dangerous prayer to pray. Particularly if the person you work next to, or live next to, or sit next to you, isn't someone you particularly like. Because I honestly believe you from experience, God will change your heart. And God will use you to speak to them. So the first thing, love is our, must be our motive. The second thing, we've got to strengthen encourage and comfort people with our words. Those who prophesy speak to people for their strengthening, strengthening, encouragement and comfort. And if a prophetic word that we have doesn't strengthen, encourage or comfort, I'd like to encourage you not to share it. It might be a word from God. It might be something that God has revealed to you. But we're to encourage, comfort and strengthen one another, not to tear them down. Sometimes I think we're fearful that if if we ask someone to pray for us and maybe listen to God for us, we're worried they're going to reveal our deepest, darkest secrets. Just to reassure you, God knows them anyway. And he still accepts you and says, come to me. No one's got too much deep darkness that I haven't got great light to shine on it. We don't need to fear what God says. God is a good God who loves to give good gifts to his children. He loves to speak words of encouragement. It's how you get the best out of people. You give them courage because then they'll step into something they wouldn't do otherwise. You know, it might just be for you to pray about. And if you need some wisdom about that word, find someone who you trust. As a kind of, a kind of note on that, this isn't a kind of excuse to go, you never guess what God told me about so-and-so. Not a good idea. Not a good thing. It's not an excuse to gossip, but it's, a, it's good to get wisdom on things sometimes. But if it's not encouraging, strengthening, and comforting... I would suggest just hold on to it and pray for that person. Finally, we're to help others grow in their faith. We're to seek kind of, to see others grow uh, by what we through what we say and what we do, and that the, and the gift of prophecy enables us to do that. So, the first thing: how do we prophesy? Eagerly desire that spiritual gift. Secondly, our attitude matters. Love must be our motives. We we speak words of strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Um, thirdly is there's a variety of ways in which God speaks um we see some strange examples in the Bible of how God communicates through dreams and visions and writing on the wall and even through a donkey as we said or through one another but um, primarily God speaks to people through his people that's the primary way God communicates to us outside of his word the prophetic is kind of linked to the scriptures. God won't give us a word that is contrary to the Bible. He speaks, reveals himself in scripture, and he speaks to, to others with that kind of word for today, if you like, through one another. It's an encouragement. It can be through art. It's great to have Catherine who, who paints for us in the evening. And, and, and for many people, those paintings, those pictures, speak powerfully of God's love and encouragement to, to others. There are a variety of ways in which God might speak to us, and God might give us those prophetic things. Number four, prayer is absolutely central. Prophecy flows normally from prayer and worship. If we pray, we'll have more prophetic words for others. If we're praying for others, what a great opportunity to ask God for encouragement for them. Remember, these are gifts of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that gives them. And if we want these gifts, we need to seek more of the Spirit's life and power in our own lives. And, and this morning we're going to take time to ask God to come by His Spirit, that He might give us gifts, and that we might hear His voice. So prayer and worship are central. Often it comes out of that place. If we're praying for others, God is more likely to speak to us to them. And finally, we're to take risks. In one Corinthians thirteen, Paul says that we prophesy. We pray. Uh, sorry, we see in part, and we prophesy in part. We never get a perfect prophecy this side of heaven. We see in part and we prophesy in part. We get glimpses of what God is doing and saying. And sometimes those glimpses are clearer than others. I think often that comes with the experience and maybe some people are just a bit more gifted in that sense to do that than others. But all of us are called to prophesy. If we're waiting for that perfect, clear prophecy that we're 100% certain of, we'll probably be waiting quite a long time. If you've been praying for someone and you've got a picture or a word for them that's, that fits that criteria, it's, kind of, it's tied to scripture, it doesn't contradict anything in the Bible, because God won't go against his word. If it's strengthening, encouraging and comforting, why not take a risk and just share it with them? We share it humbly. I think God might be saying something. It's not a lack of faith saying, I think. It's a sign of humility. Because we value the dignity of the individual we're sharing with. We're not there to manipulate or to pressure. We're there just to share something that we hope will encourage and comfort others. And I've, from experience from myself, have seen others do the same. When we take that step of faith and we're willing to be used, God will use us. All he asks for is our willingness. Um, i tell you a story about Nell. Um, I'm allowed to because she's here. Um, she came to faith because of a friend. Um, For many of us, it's been a family member or a friend who helped us uh, find faith in Christ. But um, when Nell was at university, she uh, became a Christian because a friend of hers, he was Andy, is that right? He uh, wasn't a Christian, not from a Christian background, I don't think. He went to a baptism service of a friend of his um, at a local church. And the pastor at that church, during the worship, um, felt that he had a prophetic word for someone here, and he described uh, this particular person, and it was absolutely spot on for Andy. And in that service, he gave his life to Christ. Quite dramatic. Came back to uh, uh, the university and, and, and shared his faith with Nell. And Nell became really intrigued and interested. And Andy himself got baptised and invited Nell to go to the baptism. And at the baptism, the worship uh, particularly captured Nell. And for her, it was a sense of, I know God is here and people are worshipping, but I don't think I can join in yet because I'm not in that place. And over the next couple of weeks, after asking questions and seeking faith, now gave her life to Christ, of which I am very grateful. One prophetic word shared by a pastor, probably slightly hopefully, if he's anything like me, that someone would respond, led to two people coming to faith in Christ and lives being changed. And I know, because I'm married to my wonderful wife, how many other lives that she's changed because of her uh, finding faith in Jesus. One little thing can have a huge effect on others. Maybe that's something we can do. We can ask God for one word for someone this week. One thing that we can encourage someone with this morning. Imagine the ripple effect that that can have for the kingdom. I think that's really encouraging. I found that really helpful. Before we pray, I want to give you a warning. We can't domesticate the Holy Spirit. The Iona community in Scotland refer to the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. And if any of you have ever been jogging along a canal towpath and come face to face with a swan or a goose, there's just a slight nervousness in your kind of, if I get too close, am I going to get past or am I going to get pecked? Um, I don't think the Holy Spirit pecks us. Just the, the analogy does kind of run out at that point. But the idea of a wild goose that can't be tamed, a wild goose that will land wherever it pleases. And When we invite the Spirit to come, we, we're saying, God, you're God. We ask you to do whatever you like. And when we pray this morning and invite the Spirit to come, he might lead us on a wild goose chase. He might invite us to follow where his Spirit takes us. The Spirit comes to convict us of our sin, Jesus said, to change us, sometimes to break us, and to shape us more in the likeness of Christ. It's not about a cuddly, warm feeling, because he is God, and what he says is worth listening to. Sometimes the prophetic word, even though it's encouraging, comforting and strengthening, can be sharp and to the point. Because Jesus wants to lead us into freedom. And sometimes we need reminding of that. And encouragement can be, come on, get together, sort it out. But Jesus does that because he loves us and he's calling us to greater things than we think we can achieve. He is with us and he is for us. When Jesus died on the cross... He shed his blood that we might know forgiveness. He shed his blood that we might be free. He died and rose again that the spirit might come and that we, his people, might be uh, ambassadors for him and proclaimers of his good news and his gospel to the world. And sometimes God does that through these gifts.